Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Run Out Radio. I'm Jerry Forsyth, of course, joined by Mike Howerton. And we are brought to you by Border Billiards and by OBQs, as well as Predator Qs, and, of course, our good friends at Tiger Products. Please support our sponsors because they support us. Hey, Mike, I understand uh, you spent an interesting week in Sin City. How'd that go for you? That is always such a, an absolute madhouse. It's a lot of fun because uh, I go out there and play in the amateur uh, tournaments. Well, <clears throat> I was signed up in the amateur tournaments this year. I won't really admit to doing much playing, though. <laughs> they need a sub-amateur category. Yeah, I, I'm sure I could go to and out in that division, too. Uh, not a good week for me, but uh, it was a good week for some other players. Um, I did catch the end of the uh, Open Scotch Doubles. Uh, we've talked about Susan Williams out of Arizona before, her and her husband, Mike Williams. They won the uh, Open Scotch Doubles. It was a very good win for them. I thought it was interesting. They played Mary Rakin and Colin, I believe it's Mazeka from uh, California. Uh, right. Mary and Colin finished second. And their Scotch doubles match started right after Mary got done taking second in the open ladies division. So, I mean, by the time the Scotch doubles started, she was she was ready to fall over. I mean, you could see it. Uh, but it, still, I mean, a second place finish in the Scotch and a second place finish in the open singles—that's not a bad week. Um, really interesting. No, it's not. Oh no. Uh, interesting story the the winner of the women's open singles was uh noelle campos from california she's a a very nice uh young lady who plays in a wheelchair there was a a story from the modesto newspaper that is starting to make the rounds on the forums about her did you catch that story i did in fact i replied that she's my new hero <laughs> i think she should be a lot of people's heroes uh I understand she's uh, she's even spending some time trying to work on some uh, billiards-related uh, inventions or accessories or, or that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, she really seems to have her act together, and she plays some great pool. I met her last year. Uh, really, really nice lady. Well, congratulations to her. She certainly deserves it. And I just did want to mention that Mary Rakin, of course, is the same Mary Rakin who's the former world junior champion. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, she's got quite the resume. And yeah. her sister, Michelle, uh, I believe she's uh, she's away from the pool game. She's in medical school now. And, and hopefully, Mary, hopefully Mary follows in Michelle's path. I mean, she certainly has the game to, to compete on a regional level. But you know what? If she's got the ability to, to go to college, I, I would think that that's probably a very good idea. Oh, absolutely. Um, caught a little bit of the finals of the men's master singles and watched Justin Bergman win that. He's a former BCA junior national champion. Right. That that kid, you know, watching him play, it's just amazing. I I don't remember when I was so young that I hadn't figured out yet that sometimes balls don't go in when you hit them. But he has yeah. not grown to that age yet. I mean, he he walks around just knowing that all he has to do is hit the ball, and of course it's going to go in. It, it's certainly interesting to watch. Great player. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Women's Masters singles, uh, Iris Renola from the Philippines 
Mm-hmm. Um, all the men players here in the U.S., you know, uh, them getting beaten by Filipino players wasn't enough. So now the ladies are going to get beaten by the Filipino players. Uh, Iris beat <laughs> Q. Yi in the finals. Q is from Houston. We've talked about her before. Right. Um, Renola could be an interesting story. Let's see where she goes. Sure. Uh, one of our forum members, Randy Gottlicker, finished second in the Super Senior Singles, so uh, that was a nice finish for him. He spent quite a bit of time up in the Skybox with us. Very nice guy. I think you and him go pretty far back, don't you? <laughs> Only about, uh, let's see, uh, 35 years. I uh, actually, I actually uh, took lessons from Randy and at his pool school there in Dallas, and uh, I just have to say he is one heck of an instructor. He uh, he knows all the technical stuff and and well he just knows uh, pool very very well. But what makes him an exceptional teacher is he can customize uh, what his knowledge to your needs. He can he analyzes people very very quickly and very well. Very nice guy. I mean, I I had just met him here at this tournament, um, but I would certainly like to spend some time. Going back to my my two and out adventures out there, uh, maybe I should spend some time with him. Uh, then again, you know some people are beyond help. Um, I'm not going to make a comment here. Just keep on going. Will you? Uh, needless to say, I, I played very poorly, and I'm I beat myself up over it for the rest of the week. Um, thought it was interesting that the women's player member singles division was won by Sunny Griffin. Um, Griffin, that's uh, that's an interesting last name. It's a very interesting last name. I wonder if there's any relation. <laughs> uh, formerly Sonny Ulrich and now Sonny Griffin. By the way, we're going to be speaking to her husband a little bit later. I wonder who plays better in that family. Like I said, we'll be speaking <laughs> to her husband a little bit later. Um, I don't remember her husband ever winning a uh, championship, but go ahead. No, no. Um, let's see. Women's Grandmaster Singles, uh, Kelly Fisher. Kelly was there uh, working a booth, the uh, RT9 booth, and then she also had the Quick Fire Cues booth, so they were side by side. So it was it was nice to see her playing. Um, I know Val Finney had played in some of the mini tournaments. I got quite a kick out of that hearing uh you know, a, a regional player or a, a little amateur player getting called for their mini tournament match against Val Finney. I'm, I'm thinking you've got a, you know, if you weren't following the pros and you hear, oh, I'm playing a girl, maybe I'm all right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> introduce you to Val Finney. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, but beyond just the amateur stuff, there were pro events there too. Uh, Matchroom was there for the Whirlpool Masters. Um, that one was won by Alex Pagulion. Alex beat uh, Mika in the finals. I understand it was fairly close in the finals. They were playing 10-ball, and of course, yeah. a big part of 10-ball is the break. And I didn't watch it, but I understood that really in the final match, uh, about midway through the match, all of a sudden Alex's break started clicking, and he was running out racks, and, and Mika... I mean, it wouldn't have mattered if, if Alex were playing Moscone. I mean, he was just breaking and running racks. Yeah, and, you know, there's just nothing you can do uh, from the chair. And uh, once Alex takes control of a table, uh, he, he tends to uh, remain standing for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, although a lot of people can't tell when he's standing. Um, 
<laughs> Glad you said that. <laughs> um, Shane didn't have all that good a tournament. Uh, I was kind of surprised at that. Um, he was he was ahead early in one of his matches, and I was told that he he kind of got sharked by the shot clock. He had a, a fairly easy shot, and the shot clock went off on him. I think they were using like a 40-second shot clock, and um, yeah. after that, he never won another game. I, I, I was really surprised. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect Shane to get uh, sharked by something like that, but, but he did not have a good week out there. And, you know, I've talked to quite a few players since that happened, and it seems to be the, the consensus, which is usually wrong, uh, is that he's burned out, that he needs to take a break. Uh, you know, he's been playing – day in and day out now for about eight months. And he really, really needs to take a vacation. Well, I mean, when you're playing hot, you got to stick with it. But Shane has not been playing hot lately. Um, he he lost to Alex in the uh, the action report match. They were playing a race to 100. He led for, I mean, it was a three-day challenge, and he probably led for two days and 22 hours, and then... At the end, he just kind of ran into a brick wall, and, and Alex came back and beat him. Yeah, I think he probably needs to just take a little motorcycle trip with Mike Janis. <laughs> yeah, that'll be perfect. I'm thinking the rest of the pro players might uh, might get together and fund that. We want, we want to. Uh, we do, all kidding aside. Mike is a very good friend. That's the only reason I said that. And, of course, everyone knows Mike's had a motorcycle accident, but he's okay. He's just, you know... He's a little rough right now, but he'll be fine. Traffic is way down on the forums with him out of commission. I know it. Sad. <laughs> uh, so let's see. There was one other challenge match that the Action Report had. Uh, our local freezer, Scott Frost, fresh off his big win over Efren in the uh, one-pocket challenge match that we had here in Phoenix. Um, Scott matched up Barbox 8-ball, Barbox 9-ball, and Barbox 10-ball against Darren Appleton, playing 2,500 uh, per discipline, and Scott lost the 8-ball, and he lost the 10-ball right off the bat, so he knew he was going to be booking a loser for the week. But uh, he did come back and win the 9-ball. Darren played real well. Darren's very capable of doing that. Darren's a player. Um, it was a surprise to me when he lost to uh, Jasmine Ocean over in uh, the UAE uh, because he's one of the, I don't know, he's one of the most focused players I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. Scott won the uh, the one-pocket challenge match out here with Efren, and I understood that after that challenge match, he matched up a couple nights later, uh, heads-up one-pocket with Corey Duell. Uh -huh. Now, I didn't have the opportunity to go out and watch the match, but somebody told me, oh, yeah, Corey just, you know, Corey just, he made the cue ball dance around the table. It was an easy win for him. I was shocked. I mean, if they were playing big table nine ball, I would certainly pick Corey, but Corey must have really turned his one-pocket game up. i tell you what. When it comes to moving that cue ball around racked balls, Corey is, is just, tough to beat because he can he can come off the rail and and just edge a couple of balls out of the rack and and put that cue ball where he wants it he's i, I mean I've, I've watched him do it over and over and over again and he plays games 
that you don't associate Corey Duell with, you know, like straight pool. And he played them very well. Hmm. I was surprised, but, um, well, we'll just say that I didn't expect that he was going to beat Scott Frost. I mean, Scott is known for his one-pocket game, but you got to hand it to him. He, he must have played well. We did have one other pro event out there, the Predator International 10-Ball Championship. Right. Uh, Again, I have to say that I was shocked. Uh, Tony Drago won it. He beat Francisco Bustamante in the finals. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. Drago's one of the nicest guys in the world. You know, I ran into him a couple of times out in the hallway. Real nice guy. Um, You know, he had a great December out in Vegas when... uh, I mean, let's face it, he he pretty much led the European Moscone Cup team to their win as well as he played. He might just want to think about relocating to Vegas. I mean, he always plays good when he's out there. You know, I, I don't know how long ago I first met Tony, sometime in the late 90s or something, and when he made his debut in the Moscone Cup, everybody said that he was going to get run over because here was a snooker player who had not played pool and didn't have a prayer. Well, at the end of the week, they said, well, he just must have had a good week, <laughs> you know, because he did very well. And he's he's done that over and over and over again, and the pool players keep telling me he doesn't have a chance, and yet he keeps winning games, and now he wins matches and championships. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for Hart, and Tony definitely has Hart. Um, he goes out there to win, and he, you know, he's, he's focused on that. He has that image in his mind before he ever screws the cue together. Um, I understand that um, at the Predator Championship, he gets a chance to play his good friend Luke Salvis uh, from Canada, and that the match uh, drug all the way out to almost 40 minutes. So if they just pick up their pace, uh, they'd be a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Tony, um, you know, I, I was looking at the final four players and thinking, you know, this is 10 ball. There's a lot more strategy involved. We've talked in the past about Earl and Rodney, how when they're on, they make the game look easy. Tony yeah. takes that to a whole different level, how easy he makes the game look. Yeah, he is. The only thing he's going to have to watch out for is someday some referee is going to call him on a foul because I just know that one of these days he's going to hit that cue ball before it stops rolling. <laughs> well, I, I I have a whole new opinion of Tony after winning that 10-ball event. I mean, I after watching Moscone Cup, I, I knew that he could play, but uh, after he won that 10-ball event, I, I will never – pick against him and I don't care what game they're playing yeah you can often get good odds on Tony um, in nine ball competitions those those are odds to take a look at uh, let's see we had some other news that that came out of Vegas um, our our guest who is is uh, patiently waiting on the line for us Mark Griffin yeah. he yeah. he announced that he will be starting up a tour either late 08 or early 09 and I don't want to get real deeply into it because we'll talk to Mark, but uh, Mark is pretty passionate about this whole thing. He, uh, you know, he sees what's going on, and um, 
I think he kind of feels the same way we do. He sees what's happening here in the U.S., and it doesn't look good, but uh, he's going to put his money where his mouth is and, and see what he can do. Well, why don't we get him on the line? Mark, are you on the line there with us? I am, sir, and how are you? We're doing real good. How about yourself? Well, I've been a little busy, but uh, other than that, everything's going, uh, I think we're making great progress, so everything's cool. Well, that's why we're calling you today. Mike, why don't you kick us off? Well, hey, Mark. Um, you know, I'm back from Vegas. I'm, I'm sure you're uh, kind of uh, decompressing a bit after the tournament. Uh, how were the numbers at the at the amateur event compared to previous years? Well, I think we did real good with the economy like it is and everything. We, we were about 150 to 200 people over last year. So that's like a 1% to 2%, one5 to 2% range. Uh, the final numbers we don't get until we're actually done. Our office is almost functioning again because we <laughs> literally move our total office, computers and everything, to the Riviera Hotel, and uh, it takes us a couple of days to put this beast back together. So that's what we've been doing. Well, I know you guys keep track of numbers from year to year, and you know the league system took quite a hit years ago. Well, I won't say quite a hit. We'll say that the league system took a hit years ago when uh, when the split took place. Do you have any idea where you're at now in comparison to where you were at number-wise when the BCA system left, you know, when you purchased the BCA system and there was the split with the ACS? Sure, that was uh, 2004. The numbers at the 2004 tournament, which was the last event they held, they said they had 9,010 entries, and I think they probably did. Uh, it was growing almost unmanageably. That's too many people couldn't even function. We dropped to like 6,400 the next year at our tournament, uh, and uh, we're back up to uh, about 7,500 in the tournament. The big number is how many people are in the leagues. Uh, the numbers, and I don't know about the BCA's numbers because uh, they didn't do things the way we do things, but they said there was a little over 62, 63,000 prior to the split. We dropped about 53, and we're up in the low 60s, 62, probably 62,000. So I consider it we're right back where we were when that split happened. The split was not good for anybody. It wasn't good for the players. It sure as heck wasn't good for me because I bought one thing and received another. And... Uh, it's unfortunate. It's uh, a lot of times this ego is getting in the way, and some people just don't like playing by the rules, and that's the way it happens. It's ancient history as far as I'm concerned. Well, <clears throat> your amateur event is always a big hit with the players, and, and of course, uh, this year you had some pro events to go alongside. Could you just give us a rehash of what all you had going on there this year? Yeah, we had a whole slew of them. Um, in previous years, the Billiard Congress of America did their uh, BCA Open, or now they call it Generation.com, event. In their wisdom, they elected, on short notice, to move that to Charlotte, North Carolina, in conjunction with the Trade Association. Um, I think that was a mistake, uh, but then and they made the field smaller, but that's strictly their decision. Most people think I uh, was priv privy to that decision because I was the operative word here is was on the BCA board. I am no longer on the Billiard Congress of America board, and uh, they uh, decided I wouldn't be allowed to run for re-election. So a lot of these late these latest decisions uh, have had no input in. Um, anyhow, we had uh, after finding ourselves uh, because I, I I think the pro events are a nice touch for our amateurs. We have the best 
amateur speed. Our players are more knowledgeable than any other leagues. Our players are tuned into the amateur or the professional players, men and women, and they really follow it. They're just more more of an avid player, and I think there are higher skill levels in the other organized leagues. Uh, we struck a deal with Matchroom, uh, Luke Riches and Barry Hearns, and they brought over the World Pool Masters. I'm not sure what year this uh, they've been doing for six, seven, eight, ten years. A lot of Americans aren't even familiar with it because it's always been an Asian versus European flavor. And so this year they brought it over here, and it was Asian, American, and European, and they were very happy. Um, we're hoping they'll come back next year. It's, uh, we'll have discussions, but they said they were extremely pleased. And uh, this was our first time in coordinating an event like that, and that was the first three days of our tournament. Then we had one day teardown, and um, Predator 10 ball moved in, and that was a 96-man field. They were over-the-top pleased. Next year will be a 128-man field, including more women. They had four, five, six women in this year. I think they're going to try and go for 16. Uh, so I gave the players a little bit of flavor of everything. In, an, in, in, an, in addition to that, we had the action report. I called it the tar pit. We had some huge challenge matches. Shane and uh, Shane Van Boning and uh, Alex Pagalion. We had the uh, little grudge match uh, between um, Melinda and Cubsy. And several, several other ones that were... Uh, what do you call it, streaming video, as well as about a seating for 100, 150 to 200 people. So we had a lot going on. We have 19 events, not counting the speed pools and the artistic pools, and uh, I'm not sure if that includes our nine-ball challenge, which we started two or three years ago, which is two days before the major event. It allows the people to come in a little early, get used to the tables, um, and in all honesty, it gives the Riviera Hotel a schedule so they can fix one room, get ready one room before the other one, and they really like that because it keeps them focused on what to do. So it's, it works out for everybody. So all in all, we were pretty happy. I think this one went extremely smooth. Uh, we have some new software we were uh, testing out, and that's why the charts, the, uh, about half the events had charts that were actually easy to read. Wow. And um, lots of things going on, lots of good things. And let me squash the rumors, because <laughs> I was asked ten times, well, where are you going to be next year? I will make anybody a steak dinner bet that we will be there five years from now playing pool. Uh, you know, the Riviera has obviously every opportunity to blow themselves up if they want to, but I just don't think they're going to do it. So uh, we're not moving to the Rio, we're not moving to Caesars, as somebody said, and we're not moving to Mandalay Bay, where the rooms would be probably 200 bucks a night. <laughs> and... Uh, we like the Riviera. Uh, it works very well for what our product. And uh, I know you hear complaints on them on the rooms, but they're spending, I heard, close to $100 million in remodeling. So hopefully they'll uh, pick up the pace a little bit, but uh, we're not going anywhere. Well, I know as a player, uh, I certainly enjoy going to the Riviera each year. I think uh, most of the players do. It's just kind of become uh, just part of the year. I mean, you, you go to the Riv every year in May. Yeah, this this was the 32nd annual national championship. Wow. I only know of one event that's longer, and that's the U.S. Open. Well, there's certainly more going on right now in the in the billiards scene when it comes to you than just the amateur event. Um, I was at one of the meetings there in uh, at the Riviera when you discussed this new venture that you're uh, getting started with. Can you fill? Uh, fill the, the listeners in as to what's going on? Well, 
obviously I'm assuming you're talking about the me jumping into the pro arena. That would be the uh, one. That would be the one. Well, I'm not saying I'm really looking forward to jumping into the pro, doing pro events. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I can see where this is, could be a, a lot of hard work, but I'm, and I know uh, following the forums on AZ Billiards, some people that were at the meetings are asking these questions. And the meetings we had were very impromptu. They were just, I appeared there as a favor. I was extremely upset. I mean, way upset at the results of the desert shootout. Um, the event probably went fine. I don't know. I wasn't there, although they had to move their venue. But the fact that the players did not get paid put me over the edge. And uh, I know there's I, somebody said I'm very emotional. I am. I like the word impassioned or passionate better because some people think, wow, too emotional. That's a dangerous thing. I have taken it upon myself to provide a minimum, guaranteed minimum, of $200,000 in added money for events in the year 2009. Now, that's the statement I made, that I'll generate, create, whatever. If it's, I'll guarantee there will be a, at least $200,000 in added money. 2009 may uh, become 2008. I'm trying to put the first event or two in this year. Uh, but when I made the statements for the calendar year 2009. I don't have venues yet. I'm working on a couple. Um, and we don't really have a complete schedule of what we're doing. I'm, I'm thinking we'd probably do six $25,000 added and one $50,000 added at the end of the year. We'll have points ranking. I had communications with the Billiard Congress of America who took back the, uh, what do you call that, points? What, what, there must be a term for this, Jerry. I don't right. The rankings, okay. They took back control of the rankings from the UPA. Um, I was not part of that decision, but we need a ranking system. I've talked to the BCA about obtaining that, and I think if I do an event or two and prove my worth, I think I can probably acquire that because um, it's necessary. So, again, it, it could be fewer events with higher monies, but there will be at least $200,000 in added money in, in professional events. There's um, other parts to it, though, and this is where it kind of gets interesting, and it, it may get confusing, so I encourage, uh, if people have any questions, to contact me, and uh, you can go to our website, which is www.playbca.com, or you can just email me at markg at playbca.com. Uh, first of all, I, I need contact information on, let's say, the top... 500 to 1,000 players. That's not off of anybody's rankings. This is men and women, professional, semi-pro, regional players that want to get involved in playing on a, quote, pro, in pro events. I'm not calling this a tour. In all possibility, it may evolve into a tour. But it will include existing events. The only thing I will say is I will sanction, my events will be sanctioned for, you know, by our group or whatever we are, that will guarantee the funds. Any other event, if I sanction it, the funds will be guaranteed payment like on the spot, meaning like an hour or two after the matches or something like that. None of this waiting two, three, four weeks or months for your pay. It doesn't work that way if you do business with me. So, And that's one of the problems. The, unfortunately, the players, the existing the players association just didn't have the wherewithal to do or protect the players' interests, and I don't think that's right. 
Could you explain how you're going to fund this through an amateur league? Well, yes, and that that is the whole. That's the way this whole thing works. Um, I have faith enough in my ability to create. I'm I'm going to be be, be starting a brand new league. It will actually compete, but it'll compete hand in hand with my current BCA pool league. They will be dual sanctioned. But this new league is going to be called USA Pool League. It will be a national handicap system that will, as much as possible, prevent sandbagging. I know that's a huge issue with the existing leagues. I think we have a better system. And it's an existing system. It's nothing we just created overnight. Um, it will be regionally controlled. There will be uh, regional managers. It will not be a franchise. And I just think it has the way to create the funds. Every every person that joins these leagues, there will either be like 50 cents or a dollar created or in addition to their weekly fees will go into a, quote, pro pot. The money will be set aside to promote professional events. You know, the only reason I'm doing this is because nobody else stepped up to do it. There's, we currently have 60,000 members. As everyone knows, the APA is approximately four times bigger. There's 250,000 members. Um, it's unfortunate they, they they didn't undertake this. Maybe they're smarter than I am. <laughs> but uh, uh, we're just going to generate it, generate the funds from the uh, amateur participation. But the excuse me, but the professional players that participate in these events have to give something back. They will have to be somewhat active. I don't mean every weekend or ten times a year. To be whenever, and we'll we'll have everybody's calendar of events. It will be somewhat required, but not iron fisted. But we'll coordinate them so they can go visit the amateur players, give them pointers, sign autographs be seen in shirts to support the league. If, they're, if they actually live in the same city where there's leagues, they'll go out and help the league operator get things going. And, and, and it's, it's you help me, I help you. Um, the goal here is if we could get up to 100,000 players, well, let's get crazy here for a minute. Let's take 100,000 players and that play every week, and let's say they only give 70 or 50 cents per player. That's $50,000 a week. I say we only get 20 weeks with that amount of play because it always falls off during the summer and everything. That is $1 million in added money without a corporate sponsor. I think it will attract a corporate sponsor if we can do this on our own. I'm just, I, I mean, a lot of people have been beaten against a lot of walls for 20 years finding a corporate sponsor, and they have been unsuccessful. I don't have the time or the energy to go out beating on any other people's doors. So I'll just, I'm just going to take a swing at it. I think we can do it. But it's going to take every everybody's going to have to help me. I can't do it on my own. So the pro players are going to have to sign up. The mid-speed players are going to have to sign up. People are going to have to become league operators. And this is a perfect opportunity for a good pool player that's not afraid of doing a little bit of work to become a league operator. And this whole thing is structured so the league operators can make a decent living. Uh, there will still be a, a, a pretty good portion of the money paid back on the local level. But that's not what pool is all about. It's always not about cash leagues. I mean, you can look at some of the other leagues out there. There's very little cash involved, and they, they seem to do a great job of recruiting players. So the passion for the sport and the learning and the social uh, uh, intricacies is, 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 as much as, is as important as winning a couple bucks or, you know, the, winning a trophy. And there's all kinds of things and reasons why different people play pool. 
But we're going to try and make it a, a clear line from amateur to pro, all in one house, and get this sport. I mean, this sport's in the worst shape it's been in. And I use the term 45 years because I've been around this sport for 45 years. I've never seen it in a tank this far. Right. I mean, there were some pretty good days, camel days and that kind of stuff, but this is this is ludicrous, you know? No associations, no tour, couple of tournaments, no payment for winners. Good grief. So um, there you have it, I mean, in a nutshell. I mean, there's plenty, plenty, plenty more coming. I'm in the process of trying to get some things written down. We've made a couple of press releases. I mean, the main thing is, is if, if, you, if, you, if you win a tournament, you, you need to get paid. Most of the Arizona people know that I, I created a method so the players in the Arizona Desert Shootout did get paid. They got paid uh, 70% of what they were owed. And the balance is, uh, but the balance owed to them now is only like $9,000, which is reachable. And the promoter uh, will, uh, and I feel confident, confident that he will, uh, pay them off over the next year at int- with interest. So, you know, uh, it's just important that the players get compensated for their, for their efforts. Well, that brings up a lot of questions. I'll bet. So let me start down the line. Sure. Um, two questions that I've been hit with a lot that I don't know the answer to is, are all of these events going to be in Las Vegas or are they going to be spread out across the country? And what type of venues are you seeking? Are these going to be casino events? Are they going to be hotel ballroom events? Or are they going to be pool room events? Okay. First of all, they'll be... I'm going to take the road of least resistance. I have to because I've got a lot to do in a short period of time. And as you guys know, this is just part of what I do. I can't let yeah. this thing become my main focus. Uh, hopefully we'll hire somebody that can, that, will, that can make this their main focus. Mm-hmm. Um, they will probably be everywhere. and that, I, that I, I foresee that as being, being all over the place. We will never need over 16 tables that I, can, that I, I, that I see. Um, the first one, it's interesting, though, the first couple of events, we have no idea how the big they'll be. I'm not going to close them off at 64 or 128 players. I, you know, I want to, first of all, I have to give everybody the opportunity to, to get behind me from the get-go. After a few events, then I'll know kind of who's backing me and who isn't. Those that support me, I will support. Those that don't support me may get on the back end of a waiting list. I don't, I have, don't have all these things worked out, but it just wouldn't be fair to leapfrog somebody that didn't help get this thing going. Um, type of venues, I would ideally prefer small casinos because I think they'll add money. I'm not going after TV initially. I don't care about TV. What little money these pros make, and, 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 and we want to make the threshold as low as possible, I don't want to see the TV production costs suck all the money out of everything. And I, I really think that's been part of the problem in the past. Yeah. Uh, so ideally, small casinos, then affordable hotels, and pool rooms. I'm not allergic to pool rooms. And most people realize that I'm partners in Diamond. If we're on the road, they'll be on Diamond tables, only because Diamond tables are easy in, easy out, and I can get the tables there cheaper than I can get anything else. Does that mean if Brunswick came in and said, here's a million dollars, use Brunswick tables, those Diamond tables would disappear so fast, make your eyes spin? <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, this is about pool, not about m- promoting all of my sponsorship. I mean, 
the Predator event we just got done, excuse me, the World Pool Masters that just got done at my event in Vegas had Brunswick tables. You know, I, I didn't care. One way, it doesn't make any difference to me. You know, pool, pool. Let's, let's, you know. So, if if anybody happens to have any connections to any of these little Indian casinos, there's like 360 of them or something. Uh, and I have the book. We just haven't had time to dig through them all. Um, or smaller, legitimate casinos, you know, like uh, whatever. Just have them, have them call me. Um, but you need a casino with a big room. You know, you don't need that big of a room. If we're just doing 16 nine-foot tables, well, when you do layouts, you usually figure 300 feet per table. 16 times 3 is 4,800. So in theory, we could make this work in a 5,000-square-foot room. That would be too tight, I'll tell you right now. So give me an eight or 10,000-square-foot room, and we'll do a 16-table event. If it's a bigger casino, we'll drop a side-by-side 47-foot amateur event. The casinos have to get something out of it. They want foot traffic. But by the same token, we're not asking for $85,000. Like if you're doing a televised event, add twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars you know? $25,000. And plus for the twenty-five dollars know, that I can put in there, so we might have some $50,000 events that are, you know, who knows where. I mean, I, I, it's just premature. But, I mean, so, I mean, obviously our office is in uh, Vegas. Diamond's Plant is, everybody says Louisville, Kentucky, but it's in Indiana. But um, I prefer something that's not 2,000 miles away because the fuel cost eats up. So those will be considerations. But, I'm, I mean, this is going to be done, quote, on the cheap. You know, I mean... Uh, we have our own software for running tournaments. Rick Jones, uh, who does our event here, he's now under the name of Bad Boys Productions, can run tournaments. So he'll deliver the tables, he'll level the tables, he'll run the tournament. We've And he's been running the one in Reno for the last two years, so, and that's a pretty good-sized event. That's the bar table, U.S. Bar hmm. Table Championship. Right. So we won't have tournament directors. We'll have uh, We have the best referee program. We'll take the cream of the crop, and we'll have some referees. Our software will give uh, instant updates, real-time, on, uh, well, either your site, my site, or anybody else's site. But it'll, as we make the, as the charts progress, that'll be available on on site. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just not going for the high end. Uh, right now I'm trying to put, put something that has events that puts money into the players' pockets. Because I have to do this at minimal expense. Because initially it's, that expense is mine, uh, right. I'm, I'm 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 willing to gamble that I can put this money out there, this guaranteed two hundred thousand dollars to attract enough of the better players to back this thing, so we can use those players to go out and encourage the amateurs to join the USA Pool League, and it behooves everybody to do that. So, and there will be more coming on this whole concept. It's, it's, it, I know it's a little confusing. It's, it hit everybody fast. The only reason I released it this soon is because I was very aggravated over the non-payment issue from the desert shootout. I was very aggravated over the BCA and the UPA, um, the points uh, rankings program. And I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I will say, because I've said it in a public forum, that uh, I don't think the uh, UPA did their job. And I, Frankie, I know him, Frank Alvarez. Nice guy, in over his head. The situation didn't allow him to succeed. Well, I know there were um, two different meetings up in Vegas with a number of the pro players. 
What sort of a response have you received from the players uh, regarding these plans? Well, the first one was, was started out, um, they kind of set it up as a debate between Frank and I. I didn't really agree with that. And, and there's been, uh, I mean, Frank started off and he started talking about the uh, pool in the Olympics. And I'm sorry, but that was just, uh, I don't need to hear that discussion anymore. You know, I don't think it'll ever happen. The Olympics is cutting back sports right and left. Um, there weren't that many pros in the room, maybe a dozen. That was the unveiling of the concept. Several of them stuck around. Uh, there were supposed to be many, many more people. I didn't make the arrangements for the meeting. They were going to have it in the uh, in the pool, professional pool, the, where the Predator tournament was in the arena, and they didn't make. They forgot to tell Charlie Williams they needed that room, and he needed it. So um, everybody walked across the hall, and this and that. By the time we found a room, we dwindled from 150 people to 30 people, or something like that. There were some questions. You know, a lot of the questions hung out about players' associations. All in all, after they understood it, most professional players are, and these don't have to be, I'm looking for support of players. They don't have to be professional players. I'm not even sure what a professional player is other than Allison Fisher and Jeanette Lee and Johnny Archer. I mean, I don't I don't think anybody else makes enough money to, well, and Ralph, and, uh, but the elite few make their living at pool. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's wrong. So I, I don't like the term professional player, but... Um, most of them, after they understood it, warmed up to it. There's a few that are they're, 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 they, their heart is in the UPA, and I don't think they understood it. I wish they'd call me, because I know there's a few postings going on that, you know, I even approached a few of them, just talk to me, ask me questions, because uh, I don't have all the answers, but I'll, I'll figure it out. All I know is I'm going to have several events. They're going to be added money events. And if I don't get one person to join this new league, those events are still going to happen. However, if that occurs, will I continue this venture? Absolutely not. It has to be supported by the players and the pool-playing public. I'm not going to force anything down anybody's throat. But I just don't see anybody else doing anything. And this is important for me. I've been around the industry. Well, I'm almost 62 years old. I know I hate to admit that. I owned my first room 39 years ago. Well, 1969. When was that? Yeah, 39 years yeah, ago. 39 years ago. And I was recovering tables for five, six, seven years before that. Yeah. I'm frustrated. I'm a frustrated pool player like everybody else. Well, when you uh, do get this started and you start doing the rankings, let me ask you a couple of questions about that. Sure. Uh, you're talking about sanctioning other people's events so that there's more than just your events in the rankings. But if I hear you correctly, they have to be able to post the money before the, the tournament starts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't see how that happens with many promoters who rely on the money coming in from the gate during the event to make up the prize funds. How well, do we get over that little yeah. hurdle? Well, this is two issues. You asked two questions here. Let's talk uh, – I'll talk about sanctioning other events, and you remind me to talk about rankings when I get done with this one. Okay. Sanctioning other people's events. Anybody that's playing in my events can play in any event they want to. They can play in the U.S. Open. If Frank from the UPA has some events, they can play in They can play in any event they want to. My league's going to be called USA Pool League. Mm-hmm. Let's say we call this the USA Pool Tour. I, I don't know what we're going to call it, so don't jump all over me, but let's say because... 
I eventually think it's going to turn into a pool tour or a pool series or something. If I say that it's sanctioned by the USA Pool League, the money is there. If it's not, if I don't say it's sanctioned, then I'm not guaranteeing the money in any manner, shape, or form, even if it's a points, if it's affiliated with our rankings and everything. Okay. Okay. The problem being is if a person does an event, and I understand that people depend upon the gate, but let's assume that the gate doesn't happen or who knows what. Are they still planning on paying the players? I would say yes. So are they having, do they have arrangements safe? Wow, if nobody shows up, I'll pay them. I'll sell my car. I'll hawk my Harley. <laughs> well, whatever the case may be, if they, I'll be the bank. If they can prove to me, they can give me the title that $18,000 Harley, I'll hold it and I will hold it. You know, and if they're six thousand short, poof, the six thousand's there. They have X amount of time to pay me, or I guess I own a Harley, which I don't want. But I, I'm not going to guarantee something unless I have security, or I'll get stuck in the middle big time. Sure. And there's there's some fairly high profile tournaments that every year can't quite make their payments. They always pay, or I believe they do, but it stretches out. I don't think a player should have to be subjected to that. So I, I will sanction other events when they have satisfied to me that they have the wherewithal to pay the prize money. I, if that but means, you would, but you would include other events that aren't sanctioned in your rankings if they're important enough events. Is that correct? I think I would have to. Yeah, I'm not trying to control everything here. I'm just trying to make something that'll work. Um, I mean, I'm not. I don't have the list of what you guys in the BCA now have as ranking things. But let's say one of them is the the Reno, December. Well, well, not, as of today, it's not because it conflicts with a um, it conflicts with the Moscone Cup, which is uh, the event which was already on the, the international calendar. Really? Wow. Yeah. I see. And that's another thing is I will really be sensitive of dates. But the Reno dates have been scheduled for quite some period of time. I'm surprised that the Moscone. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's, but that's... The but see, but see, the problem is the Reno dates, and this is where the politics of pool jump up and bite you. The Reno dates were never submitted to get on the international calendar. Gotcha. Had they gotten on the calendar before the Moscone Cup, it would have been a ranking event. Gotcha. I understand. Well, when you put that down, when you put when you guys put that as a, one of the ranking events, I was a little surprised because there's actually been discussion of that event changing. Um, well, okay. Well, anyhow, we were saying, let's assume there was an event at, at the Reno Sands or at the Caesar's Palace Turning or somewhere. Stone. Turning Stone is a is a Turning Stone. Event. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Well, I, you know, I know those guys are going to pay. You know, right. I'd call them up and say, I mean, who's the responsible party? Is it the promoter, or is it the is it the venue? You know, and that makes a lot of difference. Um, like if it's Mike Zuglin and he says, hey, Mark, I promise I'm going to pay. I'm going to say, okay, what can you show me? And he's always paid. The guy is a stand-up right. guy. Right. So I'd have to, you know, if he wants me to sanction that event, I'd say, well, how can I be guaranteed that you're going to do it? And, you know, in the past, now the UPA did a lot of things right. In the past, the UPA charged a sanctioned fee. Well, Unfortunately, there's going to have to be some kind of fees here somewhere along the line because I can't fly all over the country and see if a guy's what his Harley looks like. You know, and that's got to, the money's got to come from somewhere. So, those are problems we're just going to work out as we go. Uh, the nice thing about it is I'm I'm a one man show in this stuff. 
uh, I can make my mind up real fast. I don't have to run it through a board or this or that. And, and all I can say is if I say the, if it's a sanction, if that's the term we use, we might say a recognized event. We might, I don't know. Before it happens, it'll be extremely clear um, what these terms mean. And if I say it, unfortunately, I have to stick to it. So that's what we have. But you will be able to play in anybody else's events. There will be no restrictions. There will be no scheduling on top of somebody's events. There's always going to be conflicts. There's only 52 weeks a year, you know, but it won't be scheduled against a major event. Mark, you indicated earlier that your events would be open to women as well as to men. Yes, they will. Is that correct? Um, well, yes, they will. I, I haven't talked to the WPBA yet, so uh-huh. from my viewpoint, they and I, I was just well, that's one of the things I have to do. This this all happened on very short order. They will be at the trade show in Charlotte. I will talk to them there, but I'm going to talk to them before that. But yes, as far as I'm concerned, this is a it's a non-sexual sport. It's male, female. I don't care. Just make the ball. We're all happy. I had heard that at your meeting you said you would not deal with player organizations and. That is a very strong player organization that has a very definite set of demands for their people to play, and I was wondering how you were going to deal with that. Well, but they work on a different method, I really feel. What I was referring to, and I did say that, I will not work with a with a players association because, unfortunately, and this is nothing against Frank or the UPA, but history has shown, all you have to do is read the press releases a week ago, that... Players associations run by players don't know how to work on everybody's best behalf. If they get in a beef, all they say is boycott. Well, the cold hard facts are I'm allocating probably minimum of 300000 and maybe as high as $400,000 worth of assets. That's cash prize out, time, uh, staff, everything to do this thing that I'm proposing to do. I am not going to let some dissatisfied players hold me hostage by saying boycott. They cannot, they cannot participate. That is perfectly fine. I would prefer everybody to participate, and I will work with the groups, I mean, of, of players. We will, unfortunately, as I said in the meeting, this will probably evolve into our own players' association. And, and I have to do that because I I have to have a method of knowing who's with me and who's not, because um, I, so I know who to support. Um, it, it's a little messy, a little gray. The WPBA I just don't put in that category. They could at a point to say, all right, none of our women there. But then the women have their option of whether to play or not. The way I mostly address it, I just it makes more sense to me how to explain this is I always tell people, hey, I'm the bus driver. I'm the person that's driving this bus. I own the bus. I put fuel in the bus. I put tires on the bus, and I'm driving whatever direction I decide to go. Now, you can get on the bus or off the bus at any time. It's a free bus, you know. But yeah. and I will listen to any suggestions from players. Uh, when we get this thing going, I've told Corey Jewell has been helpful most of the time. <laughs> He's an interesting guy. I really appreciate his input on this, and he's gotten involved, and that's what I wish more players would do. I said, Corey, here's what I, let's propose, let's do it this way: the players go out and get six people, six players. They don't even have to be players, but get six people to work with me. 
I'll find two people. They'll give us a board, an advisory board, whatever you want to call it, of eight people. Because there's a lot of issues. What are the rules? What are the games? The game basically is pinball, by the way. Um, uh, you know, what are the penalties for, uh, what's the dress code? What's the behavior code? You know, I want, I want input on these things. Am I the one that will say this is the way it is? Yes. But I want to make it with the player's uh, input, and, and, and uh, I want them to, I, I really expect us to agree on 98% of this stuff, if you want to know the truth. I'm not going to be. I'm not coming up with anything that's outrageous. I'm just coming up with stuff that's maybe common sense and decent, and has to be a set a, a format or a set set of rules. You can't have different rules at every event. I mean, there will be dress codes in play. There will be behavioral codes. There will be if you're late x amount of minutes. Uh, how many smoke breaks can you take? Sharking. Sit down when your player's shooting. I, I, I'm not going to be anywhere near as stiff as say the IPT. But the IPT put on a good show as far as the player's behavior and, and, and responsibilities and that kind of stuff. That was very good. Um, so players' association, yeah, I, I won't work with a coordinated players' association because, again, they just, and I don't mean that as a threat, we will form our own group that, that uh, will coordinate all this, and it's just because I can't put my time and effort and money into this thing and then and then be blindsided down the road. I'm a very reasonable person, and I just think maybe everybody can say, hey, let's just trust this guy. Because the only guy that can go broke here is me. And I'm hoping that I don't, and I'm hoping that the players and people really try to keep me from going broke, because if I go broke on this deal, it doesn't happen anymore. We all have to work together. Well, I'd like to back up just a little bit and talk about the league system that's being put together to fund this. Um, I'm kind of curious how you see the new league system interacting with the BCA league system, and, and do you think that that they will compete? Will will players jump from one to the other, and, and how do you see the dual sanctioning working? Well... Some of the real details need to be worked out, but dual sanctioning will work. We have, I don't know, 50, 75 leagues that are dual sanctioned right now, not with ourselves, with VNEA and uh, sometimes local groups and things like that. So dual sanctioning is a simple process in that respect. The BCA League is a great league, but it has grown over the years with very little rules and guidelines. And for what I'm proposing, it has to be much more uh, regulated. Everybody has to use the same software for scorekeepers. It's a handicap system. Uh, everything has to be exactly the same as far as paperwork and down the road. And the BCA system has got all kinds of different systems. But the it doesn't. The system, the BCA pool league, doesn't require you can play any game, any time, any rules. Uh, you know, uh, and, and just when you come to our tournament, you have to play this set of rules. The problem being is we don't have leagues starting all at the same time. We don't have them ending at the same time. Some are handicapped at home. Some are scratched. Some are this. Some are that. I can't do what I'm trying to do unless everybody pretty much does the same. And for lack of a – so everybody will understand what I'm saying. It's really very similar in many ways to the APA or TAP. Um, 
You know, there will be a set. The, the variables might be the fees in different parts of the country. Of course, that doesn't, how does it, what you asked was, how does it uh, mesh with the BCA pool league? It will, it will, it'll mesh fine. I expect, I don't expect too many people to say jump from the BCA to the new one. I would expect them to either dual sanction or play in both if they have that option. I think you may find that a lot of the BCA operators switch over to this system because it gives them the tools they want. Everything is paperless. And these systems are in place. We have a system called League Sys, been doing it for three, four years. We have, oh, in 2005, I just have a piece of paper here. We, wow. Well, we handled 123,000 score sheets, 200, uh, 3 million statistics are archived, but over 150 leagues were running on League Sys two years ago. It's larger than that. We have 450 leagues, just so you know. Um, our average league is very small. It's in a pool hall. It's an in-house league. It has eight teams, uh, 65 players. Well, I can't make that grow into this USA Pool League because there's no incentive. The guy has a pool hall. He says, I just want to play my teams. So he gets them involved. They come in here and practice, and we take the winning team to Vegas every year. That's great, but I can't build this system off of that. But I'm not going to mess with that either. I'm not going to go in and say, all right, you've got to change. No. Some of these guys, bless their souls, we've got people that have been coming to every national tournament, like 26 national tournaments in Vegas or here, there, and everywhere. But it's, 30, it's actually 32 national tournaments. But, uh, but we've got people that, is, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing. And I can't tell them they have to change something they've been doing for 25 years. Right. But I can't grow it to what's necessary to make all this work. So I have to develop a new system. I'm very sensitive to the fact that I'm, quote, competing with myself. Um, we, in areas, compete with VNEA, but we have a lot of leagues that play VNEA and BCA. Well, they get along fine. Will your current league operators be given right of first refusal to control the new league in their area? To a degree. I mean, it'll be a screening process. Will we go national with this all at once? Probably not. I have some, I have four or five of uh, our more astute league operators who say, I want in. So I can jumpstart this. Everybody says, well, here, I, I, the comment is saying, they've said, well, here's this guy saying he's going to start a league. He doesn't even have a league yet. He's going to support all these pool players. Well, yeah, I am. If I don't, it's got to come out of my pocket. But it's which comes first, the chicken or the egg? You want me to go out and form a league and then get the pro players involved? And then what's the incentive? I already have a league. I mean, it, it, you just something has to go first. So I just put the bankroll out there first to get everybody involved. Um, I, I just, I'm convinced it'll work. You know, it's, I, I, I'm convinced that I have just about all the tools in place to make it work. I don't have enough staff. I'm going to have to go out and fire, hire some pretty good people. The conditions that we're putting in on this thing uh, are, are really kind of interesting. First of all, the league operator will actually be able to make a living doing what they love, which is running pool leagues. The league players will get far more money than they're used to in some uh, national leagues and probably less than they're getting in a lot of the BCA leagues. BCA leagues just seems to me like they pay between 75 and 85% across the board. Well, you can't function. You, nobody can. I mean, a lot of league operators lose money. But that, if it's in their pool hall and things like that, that's acceptable. Um, the other thing is 
the national office will guarantee the prize fund because the league operator will screen him. He will have put the money in the account, and we will take a debit card and take it out of his account, and we'll hold the money. I will guarantee the prize funds. A lot of things we've learned over the last four years, and the, the system I bought from the BCA Billiard Congress of America was a functioning system, but it really was... It was like a hospital. Somebody said you, you had a little county hospital, and they added this wing, and they added that floor, and they added this wing, and they had, pretty soon you had the operating room at the wrong end of the building. You know, it's, it, growth is a funny thing, and now we have to we have to build a new hospital. And, uh, but that doesn't mean you close the old hospital. You know, so um, it's going to be a real challenging, interesting time. And I'm trying to force feed it. I'm trying to make it happen fast because I don't. I only have so much time. You know, I'm almost 62. I'm very lucky that my health is very, very good. Other than I got crappy lungs from smoking, which I haven't done that in 20 years. But you know, you do stupid things, you pay the price. So um, I just really want this to work. I want. I want to leave a little bit of a legacy, see, legacy behind. But I just, I, I just don't see anybody else doing it. And I just don't think the pool players individually can do it for themselves. And unfortunately, collectively, they haven't been able to do it themselves. And I, I got beat up here a little bit for some of the things I said at that meeting. And this is what I said, basically. Everybody says, you called the pool players dumb. I did not call the pool players dumb. But I did say that they've done some dumb things. And I don't, if any, I, I, and that's just the facts. Can it be fixed? Well, I think it, I think I can fix it. And now we're supposed to talk about rankings. See, I, you were supposed to remind me. I wasn't supposed to remind you. No, just um, go ahead. Take off. <laughs> Initially, we'll just keep rankings with our own events. I don't have any other way of doing it. But we will. We'll probably have. I'll have a committee that does it. Maybe I'll just make you guys do it. Or have you guys do it? I mean, I, a lot of the stuff I can farm out. Rankings are just statistics. Make rules and keep statistics. Um, but I honestly feel if I get six events, if I do six $25,000 events and a 50000 at the end, that's seven events. Combine it with the U.S. Open, um, I don't know, maybe Derby City. I don't know. That's that's an oddball event. It's hard to really get rankings out of that because it's not really designed for. But, you know, we'll have to have some criteria. Um, I really think the Billiard Congress of America really doesn't want to run the rankings. They gave it to the UPA for a reason. They didn't want to do it. I mean, I assume. Um, I'm hoping to get that from the Billiard Congress of America. They want what's good for pool. I want what's good for pool. We have to have these rankings to guarantee the positions into the uh, the WPA system. Right. And and the other beautiful thing of this is the way this is funded, we can actually pay the players or at least part of their expenses to these world events. We won't have the conflicts of dates, which is really what... Maybe a lot of people don't realize it, but this Desert Shootout was a UPA-sanctioned event. They are the ranking body for the WPA. And they had that event the same time that the WPA World Championships were being held in the what UAE. Yeah. Well, you take a gay like, guy like Shane Van Boning. He has to make his decision on which one to play. Now you see, you, 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 just, you just don't do things like that. And and that's, I believe, probably the last straw as to why you were over there. I guess there was all kinds of meetings going on about 
the United States of America, boy, these guys are stuck out. They won't play by anybody's rules. The pool world has to understand the U.S. is only part of the WPA. It's part of a coherent, coordinated system. And we were misbehaving. The U.S. has got to get their act in order. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and do that. Mark, you've, you've got a couple of hurdles uh, to get over here. One is getting contact information for all the players and uh, getting them to your events and deciding who's going to play. How are you going to handle all this? Well, initially, first of all, I need to know how to get in touch with all the top players. And top is such a misleading number or name. I put on the Internet top 500. Somebody says, well, what list are you going by? Well, there is no list. If you are a good player or you want to be a good player, just send me your information so I can send it back to you when we start putting these releases and everything out. I know it's, it, you take a guy that's a top regional player, and then he says, well, I can't play with Johnny Archer and Corey Duell. Well, Corey will be there. I'm, I'm not going to say – and there's a lot of the top pros will be there, but a lot of them have not committed at this point. So if I schedule an event September 15th, let's say, let's just say I have an event at September 15th in a casino in Kansas, and it, I announce it as a $50,000 or $40,000 added event. And I say it's a $100 uh, fee to kind of join the association that we're going to have to form. or so Because I have to have some control here. Because first of all, if you play here and you want to be part of this, I have to provide you with some shirts to wear and take photographs. So when you go out and sign things, you have something to sign. Um, and you get on board. I'm, I, I could see the first couple events. It's going to be a feeling out process, and we'll post on the Internet who has signed up. Pool players have historically procrastinate. I'd like to see a couple hundred people at the first events because it's a pecking order, because it's first in line. Let's assume out of the top 50 pros, only 25 25 of those join this process. Well, that means there's a whole flock of people that are going to fill those slots. This is possibly the opportunity of a lifetime for the quote, B players, the upper-level regional players, you know, the, the guys that play pretty good but never quite got there because I'm not going to keep anybody out, but the people that support me, I will support. And it's kind of first come, first served. I'm not sure how we'll do it. We'll have to do it through some qualifiers because every year maybe, maybe the, the bottom third – I'm not saying IPT, but there's got to be some way, and we're still working on these things, of calling out the weaker players and allowing the better players in. But just because you were number three ranked on the UPA and you didn't support me for the first year, it doesn't mean you can waltz in and play. There might be other people occupying your chair. And we have to, we'll come up with systems that are fair. That's why I'm going to have this board of eight players to come up with these ideas that are fair. And it's going to be it's going to be touching a few places, but again, any player can get on or off the bus at any time. So, um, I'm just hoping that the better players, because they're the ones where the name recognition is, they're the ones that can make this league grow faster. Therefore, they're the ones that can make the added money grow faster. And I'm hoping that they're everybody's sharp enough to see how this all has to work hand in hand. I'm again, I'm not unreasonable. Uh, if you have a question, you can. Pick up the phone and call me. My uh, office number is 702-719-7665. And if you want to have uh, uh, no screaming matches, if you want to have a a discussion, just call me. 
we'll hammer it out because we can make it work. We're just trying to do something simple. Just run pool tournaments so people can get paid. It's really not as difficult as everybody makes. Hey, Mark, it sounds like hey. you're going to have a lot of fun over the next year. <laughs> is that what it is? This, this is a 20-year project, and I'm not going to make it. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we invite you to use AZ Billiards as a means of communicating with your players and uh, or, or the pool public, do whatever you wish. And we certainly thank you for your time today. And, uh, well, wish you great luck and great success in your venture because anything that's good for pool, well, it's good for all of us. Well, and I appreciate the opportunity to mention this. I I would imagine we'll be doing this again in another month because these things, a lot of these ideas will be filled out. We'll have some maybe some locations to announce. And the main thing is, I have to say this in a nice, political, correct way. If you have a question... It might be best to contact me than sometimes put these things on the forums. A forum is a great place to have an open discussion, but sometimes things are misinterpreted, and then they go off yep. on these tangents. And I'd much rather you get a quote from the horse's mouth than make all these assumptions that somebody else reads as fact, because I can't deal with the distractions. I have to be focused. I need everybody's help. So let's just pull this train down the road all coordinated. And that email address for current, for questions again is markg at playbca.com. That is correct. All right, buddy. We're going to let hey. you go. We thank you very much, and uh, right. we look forward to talking to you again here in a few weeks. All right, sir. You guys have fun. Well, Mark Griffin is, as usual, always willing to uh, put it out there, uh, put it all in the light of day, and uh, let you know where he stands. Uh, very interesting plan, very good news for Pro Pool in America that someone's willing to step up and not just hold one event, but multiple events, and put some money on the table. Yeah, for a guy who uh, who took a financial beating at the Q Olympics uh, last year. I mean, I've heard different numbers tossed around that that are all in the high five figures, uh, you know, that, that he was in the red after that event. You know, for him to come back and, and fund something like this, the the one thing that stuck out the most about what Mark is doing, you know, in the past we've heard this company's going to put together a tour, that company's going to put together a tour, and your your first question is always, well, how do they plan on getting the money back? You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if company X is going to put $100,000 into this, company X has to find a way to make what they're doing pay them back $100,000 somehow. Right. You know, right. whether it's... Uh, whether it's getting people to stay at their hotel or... Uh, selling the whole thing off to some Japanese businessman or whatever. You know, they always have to find some way that they're going to make money. Well, Mark may have an interesting system here where this pro thing can fund this new league system, which can then fund the pro thing, and it goes back and forth. I mean, I I don't see the, the men players having, I would say, a better alternative, but I don't see them having any alternative. Yeah, the only thing that bothers me about that is the perpetual motion feel of it. You know, there's just perpetual motion works on paper. Um, And the other thing that kind of bothers me is he's um, expecting pros to go to pool rooms, if if I'm hearing him correctly, and drum up amateur business for his leagues 
and well, I'm skeptical. Uh, I hope it works. Uh, I hope the guys get behind it because it could really be a nice bankroll for their future. But I remember the lack of support for uh, R.J. Reynolds during the, the Camel Tour, and uh, it tends to hedge my optimism. Well, you know, I was I was at one of the meetings out there, and some of the top pros made the comment that where they go, the amateurs will go. So if they um, if they support a league system, the amateurs are going to want to be a part of that league system. Um, on one hand, I think that's a possibility. On the other, I've heard amateurs walking down the hallway in Vegas, and one of them will say, hey, that's Johnny Archer. And the other one will say, oh, that's Johnny Archer. Well, if you don't know who Johnny Archer is, then you really don't care what league system he supports. Yeah, although, you know, at the same time, I mean, if you look at our forums, we have a lot of people who play this game who want to find a way to support it and want to find a way to promote it. And you just never know. If we can get the momentum of the amateurs uh, to flow behind this project, who knows what could happen. I mean, the number, the potential numbers are huge. Oh, yeah. And and Mark is talking about a fairly large amount of money that he would be funneling into this endeavor. Um, you know, I see where you're coming from, that you're putting a lot on the pro players to step up to the plate and, and really do what is in their best interests. But... Mm -hmm. You know, as a father, personally, myself, you know, sometimes you just have to put faith that someone will step up to the plate when they're called on to do it, and, you know, maybe maybe we'll be surprised. I mean, I'd like to see it. If if the game, and believe me, the game sure needs something right now, There's this could very well be it. I, I feel better about this than I have about any tour that has started up in the last, let's say, three to five years. Oh, I do, too. And, you know, Mark could solve that problem. Well, I'm making it sound so easy. It's not that easy. <laughs> if, let, me, let me rephrase that. If Mark could come up with a way to reward the pro players um, who work hardest um, over those who don't do as much work, uh, perhaps when the players, the amateurs, sign up for the league, they put down uh, the pro that talked to them, you know, that name, and uh, maybe um, something could happen for the guys whose name gets, gets put down the most. I don't know. I mean, I know there are some players out there who made it pretty clear in Vegas that they want to be the best player that they can possibly be, and they want to do anything that they can do to help themselves be better and the sport be better. And they were basically just saying, look, just tell us where to go. Just point us in a direction. Right. Uh, you know, I do worry about, um, you know, Mark Griffin. Mark has got so many hats that he wears already. And now he's talking about running a tour, running a players association, uh, taking cars from other tournament promoters who, you know, may be a little bit slow in paying off, um, 
you know, some of the tournaments that they run. And, I mean, let's face it, the guy just got married. I, I know if I had just gotten married, my wife probably wouldn't want me going out there, uh, you know, taking on all these other things. But Mark loves the game, just like, just like all of us do. He loves the game, and he wants to see it do better. And he may be in a position where he can do something about it. Let's hope so. We certainly wish him... You know, all the luck and good fortune in the world, and we'll be glad to put AZB behind him and give him as much promotion as we can. I mean, anybody who can step up to the plate and do something for the game, we're going to be on their side. Absolutely. And uh, one thing is for sure, whatever happens, we will be following it. Indeed. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for this week. Um I know that uh, a lot of people have a lot of questions for Mark Griffin, and, of course, we've already given you his email address, markg at playbca.com. So uh, he'll answer your emails. All you got to do is write him. For this week, I'm Jerry Forsyth, alongside with Mike Howerton and Runout Radio. We'll be back as soon as we find something else to talk about.